Welcome to another episode of the 905er podcast. I'm Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. In last Thursday's 905 Roundup, you mentioned a new idea that could be mooted the same day in Hamilton Media as a way to potentially solve the current homeless crisis. That idea is being promoted by the Hamilton Alliance for Tiny Shelters, or HATS, an alliance of poverty reduction activists, churches, and prominent Hamilton residents looking to reproduce a successful project launched in 2019 in Kitchener. To discuss the background to the HATS project and why it's being seen by some as an innovative approach to provide decent transitional temporary housing for Hamilton's homeless, we spoke to former MPP for Ancaster, Dundas, Flamborough, Westdale, and former Minister of, among other ministries, Municipal Affairs and Housing and Community and Social Services, the Honourable Ted McMeekin. Today, Ted describes himself as a lifetime community volunteer interested in affordable housing, homelessness and basic income, desirous of bending the world toward social justice. Hey, well, welcome, uh, the Honourable Ted McMeekin, to uh, to the 905er podcast. Great to have you today to talk about the uh, the HATS project, the Hamilton Alliance for Tiny Shelters, and uh, and this uh, this new proposal that just started to come together pretty much last week. So uh, perhaps for anybody who hasn't noticed this story in, in the local media, um, can you describe what it is and, and how this idea came to be? Sure. Well, homelessness uh, has been a problem in Hamilton for some time. Uh, anybody who's been following the issue will read uh, numerous stories about uh, um, conflicts in neighborhood parks with tents, uh, tents being ripped out, uh, bylaw being enforced that uh, homeless people can't uh, stay in the parks. Uh, it's a problem and uh, it's not an ideal solution. Uh, an ideal solution uh, happened to exist up in Kitchener. Uh, they faced similar circumstances and uh, some people came together and they created what was called the Better Tent City. Eventually, um, yeah, by the way, it's on uh, municipally owned property. Um, along the way, uh, they uh, developed a cadre of uh, identifiable people in need, uh, some 52, I believe, in 48 sheds or cabins. We prefer to call them cabins. And uh, they formed a community together, and the community governs itself. Uh, there are some understandings around uh, what kind of behavior is uh, tolerated as a community, and uh, people live by that, and, uh, and uh, there are... Uh, support services uh, delivered to what uh, uh, turns out to be a a place where people can gather uh, in community. Um, A a lot of folk uh, don't want to go to shelters, uh, even if they're in a hotel room or a motel room. Uh, That's not the end of the journey. You still have to deal with the loneliness and the trauma and the uh, um, the mental health challenges. Uh, You know, there's a reason why these folk are uh, living rough because they're turned away from existing shelters and uh, places that are supposed to help. So we want to create, uh, as they have done in uh, in Kitchener, a uh, better tent city. We're, we're calling it uh, the Hamilton Alliance for Tiny Shelters um, at Sir Johnny McDonald uh, High School site in Hamilton, um, which would be a safe and secure site surrounded by all kinds of caring people who want to befriend and, uh, and wear... Uh, uh, possible assist uh, our homelessness, uh, homeless brothers and sisters to uh, 
kind of get hold of their wives and uh, and, and move forward. The, uh, I'm sorry. Well, to- on that on that note, um, you know, there, there are the naysayers. I'm going to kind of jump in and play devil's advocate for, here for a, a moment. Well, the devil, here. devil always needs. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, hopefully, I, I do him justice. Uh, but the uh, the you know the naysayers are going to say, well, we already have systems in place, like as you mentioned, the the shelter system, um, mission services, uh, various charities, uh, etc. Why why should we? You know, isn't isn't this just permanently entrenching homelessness in in Hamilton by by just giving them free a free house? Well, I, I can respond to that at two levels. First of all, it, it clearly isn't working if you have 104 people living rough in the middle of winter um, who for whatever reason or combination of reasons, uh, you, you don't get shelter in the traditional services if you have a pet. You don't get shelter in the traditional services if you're a couple. You don't get uh, shelter in uh, the traditional services if you have a mental health problem or any kind of addiction. So the people who are most in need of assistance are the ones that are service restricted and uh, uh, and, and are most at risk. Uh, uh, living rough is a risky proposition, and uh, uh, we don't we don't think the uh, uh, Hamilton Alliance for Tiny Shelters is the answer. We think we believe permanent housing is the answer. But to those who say uh, to us, and some have. Um, well, we don't we don't like your project because we're 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 aiming for permanent housing. My response has been, well, okay, uh, give me assurance right now that you can permanently house everybody that's living rough, and we'll and we'll stop our efforts. But that's not going to happen. The city itself, uh, uh, which has uh, responded to I think about 600 homeless folk and placed them either in shelters or uh, uh, hotels or motels. Uh, admit quite candidly that they don't have any uh, of the services uh, that are needed to surround these people to give them the kind of assistance they need. So, uh, you know, our focus is on mobilizing uh, and doing some capacity building, looking for some funds from senior levels of government for mental health supports and and uh, and what have you, uh, so that the uh, the folk who are how, wherever they're housed, uh, you know, can get the support services they they need. Uh, so we see this as a modest effort to supplement uh, existing things that are happening in ways that are um, people-centered and uh, objectively uh, designed to be of specific assistance to homeless people. Uh, and just to speak a bit more about the, the Kitchener project, which started a year or so ago, I believe. Three, Three years. Really, that long, yeah. Three years, yeah. Um, and I, I, my understanding is that they've gone through a couple of sites, but the, the, the location where they are now seems to have uh, be working out for them. And how how is I mean, it seems to be viewed as a success. Is it is it sort of universally seen that way in the community? Is it um, is, is it achieving the aims yes, that, very, that everybody hopes it is? Yes, very much so. The Waterloo region just recently uh, awarded uh, the Better Tent City. Um, their barn raiser of the year, which is an award they give to a successful community development uh, group who, that makes the most significant contribution to the community. And uh, this site, uh, which has not, has come from uh, facing some initial uh, critique to the unanimous support of both Kitchener and, and Waterloo Regional uh, Councils, um, to the point where uh, when they had to move from the different sites to a new site, the uh, municipalities have actually provided the site. Right now, 
the site is on a piece of land that's uh, uh, jointly owned by uh, the school board and uh, the city of Kitchener. And the mayor, uh, mayor, uh, the mayor of the city of Kitchener is a big, big fan, and he's been an advocate. He's he's been connecting with other cities and towns who want to do something like this, and it, it, it's taking off right across the country. Um, can you can you maybe give us uh, some insight into what it's actually like in uh, in the the Hamilton uh, site? That you know what what has been uh, the reception, and you know is it a uh, just tell, what what would it what would it be like a day on a, on an average day in in the uh, in the in the site? Well, um, that, that's a that's a that's a good question, and uh, we're yet to experience what it would be like here in Hamilton. But piecing together uh, uh, an ideal uh, uh, kind of scenario, we would see uh, uh, ten to twelve folk initially growing to twenty cabins, uh, and ideally growing to a second site of 20 cabins. So there would be 40 uh, cabins, probably, let's assume you've got three, three or four couples, you know, 46, 48 people who are living rough, which would be about two thirds of the folk that uh, are, are identifiably living rough at the moment, who would be in a safe and secure uh, situation, a 10 by eight foot uh, uh, cabin, electrified, heated uh, with uh, um, a construction trailer for washrooms and showers, uh, a school portable, again, electrified uh, with, uh, a, you know, a bit of a kitchen where, where you could meet. And uh, up in Kitchener, they have, uh, I think, three staff people. One lives uh, full-time on site. We're not at that point yet because we're not big enough. Um, and uh, about 70 volunteers. And uh, the uh, residents uh, make their own uh, breakfast and uh, and lunch and coffee when they want it. Uh, and uh, there are groups in the city, mostly faith-based groups, that bring bring dinner in. And they, they all sit around the table and eat together and talk together and dream and scheme together. You know, so. Well, the, the reason why I ask is, I mean, listeners are going to remember uh, last year the, the tent encampments uh, in, in public parks in Hamilton and how... The criticism was uh, needles, drug use, uh, shady dealings, and whatnot. And I know that a lot yeah. of those people are going to listen to this podcast and say, "Well, we're just going to make it." You're now you're now institutionalizing that. You're going to institutionalize drug use and 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 bad behavior and criminality and and whatnot on on own land. And I, that's why I want to ask: What 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 does it you know, does it look like? That's that's coming down the pipeline. That's certainly not the intent. Uh, all of the residents that come into the site will need to sign an agreement, uh, uh, you know, outline, which, by the way, they'll have a hand in designing, uh, outlining the uh, terms and conditions. For example, I believe there was an instance uh, in, in one of the uh, cities with a better tent city where somebody had a weapon on site. Well, that was specifically excluded. If you bully people, or if you're involved in a in a crime, if you've uh, um, if you've got a drug habit, you're feeding by stealing something. You know, those those things aren't uh, aren't uh, tolerated by the community itself, and the, uh, the community itself makes decisions about people who need to be asked to leave because of that. That's uh, when you when you give uh, uh, or, or enable people to have some control over their own own lives, and and they seize it. Uh, there are some amazing um, uh, Joel transformations that take place. Uh, some have gone back to school. Uh, some have find, found part-time jobs. 
Um, there's a uh, suggestion that's been made by a couple groups who want to help the HATS group here in Hamilton because it's an eight-acre site to uh, to plant a community garden you know, where some skills can be developed, uh, maybe some uh, vegetables can be sold on the curb, and, and some of our uh, currently homeless uh, folk will uh, not only have the safety and security of a, of a sort of a gated community almost for homeless uh, folk, uh, surrounded by the support services, but also a way to earn some money and uh, and to uh, be able to chart some new directions in their own life. We're we're very optimistic. We're we're very you know we're we're uh, we're idealists without illusions. Let's put now, it that I mean, way. the the certainly the, the the initial reaction, public reaction, seems to be very positive, judging by uh, Twitter and the, you know the usual stuff. And the initial council reaction has been fairly positive in that at committee they unanimously supported it. Did I read that right? I read that somewhere. <laughs> well, they, yeah, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag. Uh, you know, there is, there is a thing no, known as NIMBY, right? <laughs> and, uh, not in my backyard. I've, I've always believed that if you can't take care of your own backyard, you don't have any right to take care of anybody else's. But it begs the question, what is my backyard? You know, in today's world where everything is so interconnected, um, you know, one could make an argument that uh, there are things happening overseas that are, are could, could and should be considered as being in our backyard. Climate change, uh, a lot of the other uh, uh, issues, health health issues, the pandemic issue, you know, that's in everybody's backyard. And uh, so, uh, and it begs the question too, uh, it's almost biblical. I don't want to sound like a theologian because I'm not a theologian, but who is my neighbor? And, uh, you know, it's not just about me, you know, it's, uh, uh, and uh, Bobby, Bobby Kennedy said something to a group of his young followers back in 68, when I was down working on the campaign there. He said, we ought to love the poor and the, and the vulnerable, because we love them. But even if we can't get to the point where we say, I love you, we should get involved because it's clearly in everybody's best economic interest to do so. Absolutely. Yeah. You read a story that Malcolm Rodgers, yeah, Malcolm Gladwell wrote about uh, uh, Murray on Utah. It was entitled Million Dollar Murray. It turned out that Murray was costing the taxpayers a million dollars. And, you know, he'd be three days in the hospital at 1600 bucks U.S. a crack, in and out of jail, you know, uh, all the stuff. And, uh, and uh, the, the simple truth that came out of that article is if we put the, the pieces in place that people need, and get out of their way so that they can actually access them. They can turn their uh, lives. And, and it's that, and it would also, that kind of thing with the, with you know the, we've talked for decades about the poverty trap. I mean, they, I mean, I'm seeing uh, certainly. I think former Mayor Diani sort of said, you know, why this good idea, but why this location? And my initial thought was actually the fact that yeah. it's a central location is a good thing. A because it's easier for the services to uh, you know if 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 you're homeless and you don't have a car you don't have a whole lot of money the last place you want to be is on the edge of town because you can't get to anything uh whereas if you, you know you're right downtown and the thing is that yeah. it is visible and the problem with homelessness is that it we pushed it off our doorsteps so that it's hidden and that way we don't have to deal yeah, with we it. hide it that's the goal um you know the local councilor in particular has been quite opposed to the site and uh has been uh, well on again, off again. You know, he says good things about the concept, and he loves us all, and you know, blah blah blah. Um, but when push comes to shove, uh, you know, uh, we know where he stands. the The council, uh, the committee of council, um, we're we're 
I think even we split around the site, um, but everybody agreed it was great. I mean, we had both bishops, uh, Hamilton bishops, uh, participate in the presentation. And it's pretty hard when you're 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 looking down the nose of your own bishop and, he, and he's saying, "Hey, you got to get involved, right?" And uh, well, that's that's one of the things that you were, you mentioned earlier in our, in our discussions, Ted, was and it's that the 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 philosoph the philosophical approach to homelessness that this this particular project is taking, and yeah. I. My my thoughts were before with the you know the missions and the shelter system. The idea was always push the problem out of sight, out of sight, out of mind. And, I did, yep, yep. And and that's notion of like you know pick yourself up by your bootstraps. And the, you did this to yourself. This is your you know you 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 got yourself into this problem. So therefore, we don't really have to deal with it. But we'll give you some charity just to satisfy our, our own guilt, so to speak. But this this takes a fundamental approach of let's actively help people gets dignity put dignity back into into their lives yep. on their own terms and empower yes. them on their own terms and then as you as you said I'm quoting you 5 minutes ago get out of their way and see what happens and I think that's a fundamental different approach to the homeless it's, issue and it's just, you know Joel you're right it's about dignity and respect it's about being non-judgmental it's about uh, allowing for self-determination uh, and community building uh, it's for acknowledging, and, and uh, people people in Hamilton didn't realize this until uh, I made mention of it uh, six years ago when I was uh, Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing in the province. We worked with a group called uh, Canada Counts and actually counted homeless people in, uh, in Hamilton. And uh, the number one cluster of people uh, who are homeless in Hamilton are veterans, most of whom are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. They, they tend largely to want to go to shelters because the military background uh, has them um, uh, desirous of structure. Um, but uh, uh, the, uh, the second most numerous uh, uh, cadre of people was uh, uh, Aboriginal folk and, uh, you know, living in the city and, uh, and followed closely by women and children escaping domestic violence. Um, and and each one of those uh, those groups, uh, you know, tugs at your uh, at your heartstrings. And uh, uh, but but you're right. As a basic philosophical approach, you know, everyone um, you know needs to have the right to make decisions about their own life. We may not agree with those decisions. Those decisions may turn out to not be in their best interest. Um, but the key is to, to, to create options and opportunities to maybe go in a different direction. That's what, uh, the Hamilton Alliance for tiny shelters is going to do. You know, people, people will be given two keys. They'll be the only people who have the key. And, uh, you know, they, when they, when they leave their, uh, their cabin, uh, um, whenever they leave it, they'll lock it up. They'll have, they take the key with them and, uh, yeah, that's their place, and uh, you know they. Uh, it'll be heated, uh, electrified. There'll be a fridge in each uh, unit, um, and uh, opportunities for them to gather together. And uh, who knows, a big soccer field there, maybe even play soccer with some of the neighbors. I mean, obviously, you know, in recent oh. months, both in Toronto and in Hamilton, there there were you know major. Um, you know, there, there were the, the police were called in to, to to clear multiple sites. I mean, one of them being John A. McDonald, uh, uh, and with all the everything that came out of that uh, in terms of um, I can't really think of the right words to put this in right now, but it was obviously a very unsatisfactory state of affairs. And, and to an extent, you know, really, 
you've already failed when it gets to that point. Um, and and this kind of approach seems to me like okay, you yeah you're yeah. you're treating people with dignity, and you're also taking the police out of the equation because all the uh, because you've got public, you've got community support for what is happening. Um, now, I mean, I guess the other question uh, I saw someone uh, post on Twitter was, you know, to what extent are the the homeless people themselves involved in this process? You know, is this kind of, um, uh, you know, the the kind of white savior kind of approach of we're going to sort this problem out for you and 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 you can accept it or, or get lost or uh, is this a sort of genuine partnership with with the people themselves? Well, it has to be a partnership, and we're working on that. We're only about a month into it, Roland, and uh, we've we've made uh, some out- outreach. Uh, we had uh, um, uh, agents, I suppose you could say, uh, in the uh, out of the cold system, uh, doing some of the research for us. There was a group, uh, I believe, about twenty homeless folk who were consulted uh, directly. Uh, ten thought it was a great idea and uh, signed me up. Um, the other ten weren't so sure, but make sure my name's still on the list, right? And uh, you know, we we think if we build it, uh, they will come. And uh, you you mentioned the police. I, I just want to touch on that for a minute because the uh, the police chief was part of one of our Zoom conversations with city staff, and and uh, the. Uh, uh, police services is very supportive. The Canadian Association of Police Chiefs uh, wrote an, an actual paper about the concept and explained that uh, essentially they, they'd much rather be, uh, uh, there's a lot of suspicion, it won't happen easily, but wouldn't it be great if we could come up with a, a scenario where uh, um, a police person uh, could visit the site and because he's got a homeless friend there he wants to talk to? Uh, not to rip down and, and shred the tents, um, you know, and and the protocols around emergency. Uh, right now, if there's a, a, a an overdose in a neighborhood camp, uh, neighborhood uh, park, um, sometimes the EMS vehicles or the firefighters or the police spend an hour trying to find out where the tent is, you know, where the problem is. But here, you would you'd have a protocol. Uh, there would be uh, a fairly clear understanding of what constitutes the ability to come on site. Uh, and uh, there would be a relationship there. Um, uh, that would be in the best interest of the residents there and, uh, and all the citizens of our, our, of our good city uh, who have responded overwhelmingly. I think in the last couple of days since this went kind of semi-public, we've had about seven offers of people want to donate a cabin. We've had uh, business people come and say they want to they want to uh, canvas their uh, business partners for donations. We've had uh, I'll bet 40, 30 or forty people line up to volunteer, say they want to help. Um, it, it's amazing. We've got uh, the Chamber of Commerce is is indicated uh, by letter their support. Uh, um, the um, uh, you know the Roundtable for Poverty, the Social Planning Council. Uh, the Bishop of the Catholic Diocese, the Bishop of the Anglican Diocese, uh, Rabbi Hillel, um, the, the Muslim Center, uh, Hamilton Center, uh, all kinds of faith groups, academics. Um, it, it, I mean, it's, you it's, know, it's uh, something who, that Joel and me have talked about a lot uh, in recent months is I feel that there's a kind of appetite out there for new ideas in all kinds of ways. That, that, you know, we, we came through a kind of period maybe 10, 20 years ago where yeah, the the successful politics was the most moderate kind of politics, and change was people were kind of scared of change. And I think we're, we're you know, 
on one hand, it's a bad thing because we're seeing the kind of polarization that we're, like we're seeing in Ottawa this week. On the other side, it's good that we're seeing people who are like, okay, this is a new idea. This is a completely something we haven't seen before. Let's give it a go. Let's try and do it. Let's try and do it quickly and not talk for three years about doing it. I, I, think, that's, <laughs> I think you're intuiting that very well. But we need to remember that the status quo tends to fall back to itself. You know, when you say change is difficult, it is difficult. You know, if, if uh, you know, there are, uh, um, you know, there's a status uh, associated with homelessness that's not not seen uh, uh, ever as being positive. Uh, uh, there is a uh, stereotype uh, of what's going on. Uh, um, you know, there's a fear, queer fear of, uh, of that. Uh, and we need to replace that stereotype, that uh, misguided fear uh, with the uh, a sense of uh, trust and uh, and willingness to risk and to journey a little bit together. Uh, you got you got to talk to some of these people. You know your 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 conceptions of uh, homeless folk uh, really change when you discover uh, the person you're speaking to is back from his his third tour of, of Afghanistan and he's been involved in a number of firefights and and he's 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 mentally ill as a result of it. You know he 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 needs a lot of help. And, uh, you know, we, we sort of shut them out of our lives and uh, expect they're going to cope on their own when that's not uh, not always possible. So, uh, yeah, you know, we need, we're, we're in this together, whether, whether we like, like to admit we are or not. You know, Ted, I, I'd be remiss if I, if I didn't ask you to kind of put your, your hat on from a few years ago when you were an MPP for the region. Um, because it, there's, there's a theme that I'm detecting in uh, – in our conversations, is that the, the struggle of a hope over fear? And I thought that the, this initiative really did get its uh, yeah. uh, mo- momentum from the grassroots. This really is a grassroots mo- motivated and grassroots driven initiative. Yeah. And as a pol- as a former politician, you know what? And I, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you to kind of maybe speak to your 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 fellow politicians if they sitting if they're sitting in power right now at, at Queen's Park or around the the city council chamber wisdom to to anyone who might be listening and just say like like why maybe they should not be as scared of listening to the grassroots or or taking letting the people take the lead on something like this and just saying you know what maybe maybe it's best just to get out of the way and don't worry about getting into a a, a committee that's going to drag this on for three years and come up with a hundred page report that sits on a shelf and nothing ever gets done about it. Cause I'm afraid about my, my electoral chances. Yeah. Well, what, what you know, you that, that that's, that's so, uh, it's so prescient. I mean, the, uh, you know, you're, you're right on the difficulties around uh, embracing, uh, uh, alternatives, uh, is often uh, tough. Um, I, I've always believed that uh, policy or political decisions ought to be uh, ideally based on evidence, uh, supported in principle, and designed to achieve the greatest good. And uh, I suppose that what depends on whose evidence you're looking at or what kind of evidence you want to find. Um, but the simple reality is uh, what we've been doing, uh, by and large, hasn't been working. Uh, when I was Minister of Housing traveling around the province and, uh, and we did some really creative things in, uh, in uh, government and in that ministry, uh, including uh, um, leveraging the federal government into a federal housing policy, Quebec and Ontario had a major role in that, uh, Joel, as you may recall. 
but all, all of that together, when we went around the province uh, uh, visiting uh, uh, social housing projects, those that had wraparound services, well thought out, well designed, uh, relational uh, wraparound services thrived. You know, you not only survive, you thrive. Those that just put up buildings and said, okay, you know, you're, you're, you're going to, you know, it's low cost, but they never dealt with the fact that, that the housing itself wasn't the end of the journey. It was maybe the start. You still had to deal with the trauma. You still had to deal with the loneliness. You still had to deal with the presenting uh, physical and uh, mental health uh, challenges. And some people couldn't cope, you know, they'd be there for a month and then they'd be back on the street again because that's what they knew. And, uh, uh, so um, we know what works. We just need to summon the courage uh, to uh, maybe move outside of our own experience. Uh, I have to summon the courage to move outside of my own experience too, to engage uh, with uh, a bunch of people that I really don't know anywhere near as well as I need to know. And my experience personally has been as I get to know what's happening on the ground, my opinions of, of, uh, of what is what has been and what could be has has really changed. It's it's, it's another sort of aspect of, of of what we've kind of discovered doing this podcast is how interconnected everything is. Um, so you know we've had episodes Absolutely. on on the um, uh, the uh, uh, basic income, uh, uh, you know, the the whole development industry in Ontario, the affordability crisis. All these things are all so linked together, and yet we start, tend to treat them kind of in isolation. Now. Uh, you know, and the mental health point is actually so important because you know it's, it's long established that you know, that mental health uh, problems are you know very key in in people who who uh, who end up living on the streets for whatever reason. We're, we're looking at a um, you know the mental health system under OHIP is not as good as it as as I think many of us would like it to be in terms of, you know, if you want to speak to a psychiatrist, you may be waiting 18 months, two years, something like that. And even then, you may not have easy access to the kind of ongoing support that you need. If, you know, if 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 you were still in government, <laughs> what, what what do you think the next step would be in terms of, 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 you know, changing the, the mental health situation as kind of the other aspect, really, that is is absolutely key to, to dealing with homelessness uh, in the long term. Well, you, you you need you need to you need to start with uh, a part of its resourcing, uh, Roland. Um, you know, we we added over a billion dollars to uh, uh, mental health response, and uh, then lost government and things change. When governments change, things change. I, I don't particularly want to go there, but just to, <laughs> yeah, to flag that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not looking for enemies. We're looking yeah. for friends, right? And uh, so, so you know, uh, that uh, that's, uh, that's a reality. Um, we need to work from the ground up. When the premier asked me if I would chair with uh, the deputy premier an expert panel on homelessness back in 2016, 17, I agreed on one condition. One third of the members of the panel had to be uh, either homeless or have lived experience of homelessness, and that made a, we we published a report uh, entitled uh, "A Place of Their Own," and it uh, projected that we would, uh, through a, a variety of things, uh, including uh, the provision of uh, f- fiscal support so people could compete in the market themselves, um, try to eliminate homelessness in ten years. Interestingly, Hamilton's uh, homelessness strategy 
mirrors some of that and they want to eliminate homelessness in 10 years. So uh, and they talk about collaboration and cooperation and partnership and pers- person-centered approaches, and the need to do capacity building on the services side. So everyone's beginning. And I, 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 I give credit to the city. When I was minister, every time I came into the city and dealt with Indwell and others there, um, they did a very good job on the social housing side. Homelessness side was a little tougher to deal with, but they're onto it now. They're they're working hard at it, and we just want to want to be a, an honest uh, broker and, a, and an authentic, uh, um, modest uh, um, addition to the efforts. Um, Ted, I, we're coming up on on the end of the of the podcast uh, time. And I, <laughs> I just I don't have one one question that to ask, you, and that's kind of what do you see as the end goal of this of Hats Hamilton? What what you know? If everything goes according to plan, what do you want to see this initiative ultimately become? Well, this is a stopgap effort um, for hopefully as limited a period of time as possible. Uh, well, uh, governments uh, of at all levels and communities at all levels uh, get serious about um, about the need to provide supports required and and the housing units required. If you think of the housing, you know, in the last federal election, you'd swear listening to the party leaders that they were all out there with hammers and saws building the homes themselves. We'll build a million. We'll, oh, that's nothing. We'll build 1.4 million, whatever. Well, the truth is they don't, we don't build, po- politicians, uh, governments don't build housing. They may set a policy in place for that. We have to rely on people with that expertise. So we've got to find a way to merge private sector expertise with a shared sense of purpose and, and community benefit. Maybe that means guaranteeing businesses that they can make whatever profit they need to make in order to, to build a different kind of housing unit that's affordable for people. That's a pretty radical, but um, I think that may be the way to go, particularly when we're talking about density and urban boundaries and all the fight about saving prime agricultural land. Talk about everything being connected, Roland. You know, that's so true. Uh, so, so I, I hope it can be short term. Uh, I, I said to some of the people at Hamilton when we had Zoom calls with them, "Great, you're into permanent housing. You show us how you got a plan for that right now for everyone who's living rough, and and we w- we'll forget about the cabins. We'll just get on with our lives, I mean, it, focus on something." And it struck else. me that the, the, these these cabins will be right next door to a former school that's currently sitting empty. Uh, that is looking for a new yeah. purpose. Um, now, I'm not saying that that would be appropriate. I have no idea. But all of Hamilton's... Yeah, it's falling apart. Well, okay, so that, that's, yeah. that's a fair enough point. But, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's, there are not so many homeless people in Hamilton that they can all be housed on a site that, of that kind of uh, uh, dimensions, I would imagine. Uh, well, absolutely. So it's so, 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 so achievable yeah. when you break it down to that kind of level. When you, you know, we're talking about um, you know, 100 people in the city of Hamilton. It's not, we're not talking about 10,000 people. But <laughs> it shouldn't be beyond well, the wit of it. Well, it's more than that. The people, those who are using the shelters now and the, uh, uh, the hotel and motel rooms sure. the city yeah, yeah. has uh, made available at some considerable cost, by the way, um, you know, would probably number about 700. And we, we have reason to believe there are probably over 100 people living rough. So you're, you're, we, we may be upwards of, we may be even close to 1,000 people. But these are, these are people that uh, got to be treated decently and with respect and with hope and, uh, and with supports. We have a response, a sacred responsibility, I would argue, to do that. 
You know what? I think that's the uh, the note to leave this episode on, uh, Ted. So I'm gonna, I'm just going to say we close off with that. And thank you very much, uh, Ted McMeekin, for coming on and, and enlightening us and our our, our listeners about uh, the Halton, Hamilton Hamilton Alliance for Tiny Shelters. My apologies. Well, thanks for thanks for giving me the opportunity to do some sharing and appreciate your taking the time to do this. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. <laughs>